0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 618 with a review of First Cow. I'm Christopher Shazey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, This last film that we're talking about is the first of all of these films to have technically been released. This is actually a 2019 film, but it just came out on VOD this past weekend. So we caught it because we didn't get to see it for like the one week it was in theaters near us. Um, But yeah, we're talking about First Cow. First Cow. Um, which is a film? Do you know exactly the date that it's supposed to be taking place, or on the time period? Uh, I only know
1: 1800s, but I don't know the exact the exact date. No, definitely dur- during the fur trade in the in the whatever. I don't know. Did you have to learn about that in school? I know I learned about it in like fourth grade history, and for some reason we learned the r- word rendezvous as being important for like beaver pelt people meeting somewhere. <laughs>
0: That's an oddly specific teaching of the word rendezvous. Well,
1: just like, like there's two things I remember from this period of time that I had to learn in history in school. There was this and the Donner Party for some fucked up reason. We have to learn about the Donner Party eating each other as if that were like a monumental moment in American history.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, before they had a cow, they had other other people.
1: (laughs) It just seems like this like pervy fixation that schools have on teaching. Like, you want to know what really happened, kids.
0: <laughs> um, I don't remember that from school. Um, but I guess it's I've had a greater amount of time between when I was being taught that and when you were. <laughs> yeah, it was too soon for your school to make jokes about it. <laughs> Are you saying I'm ancient, Steven?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm saying you're older um, than me.
0: But, I mean, one thing that was interesting watching this film is, is just, like, the the state of being that people were in during this time, right? Like, you would kind of, you would pick up whatever job you could, and that job might involve, like, going all the way across the country or across a state or doing some large migration of some sort. Um, and then you'd get paid, and it was kind of just up to you to figure out what the hell you want to do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, like like... It just struck me how difficult this... I mean, this is a stupid observation, but just how difficult this time was. Like, it was funny when we first see um, the friend that the main character makes along the way. When we first see the hut that guy had had created for himself, um, when I saw that hut, even though it was a tiny hut, I, I, I thought of it as like a mansion. Because he had like yeah. different kinds of dishware and like things he had hung on his wall. And I was like damn how did he get that? Like, how did he get that amazing place but it was a piece of shit hut and like it yeah. takes two seconds to kick down like right you know like the big bad wolf's gonna come and huff and puff and blow the place down but like in my head it was so extravagant when i first saw it and i was just like god i don't know how i mean, obviously i wouldn't survive if i was back there in that time like if i was transported back i'd be dead instantly but it just it's just a, a, like we're worried about not being able to go to bars and sporting events. Uh, but like there was a time when there there weren't bars and sporting events. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess there was a bar. Yeah, definitely.
1: I, I definitely would have just stayed in the East Coast with all the other weak people. And we would, <laughs> we, we would just be there forever. I yeah. feel like there, there's no good reason to go out into the wilderness if that was what life was like.
0: Yeah. Like, I I don't understand. It's like, it's just, did you just get to call dibs on open fields? Like you'd go, um, you'd go build a thing and then one day Casey Affleck would live in your wall or something with a special note that you (laughs) hid. Definitely, definitely
1: strong, um, (laughs) strong ghost story vibes. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, no, I'm with you. I I don't know the rules either or the currency because they're like, Coins and half coins and things that look like buttons and paper money. I don't know. It, I don't know how everyone agreed on all that back then.
0: Yeah, there was definitely one scene where people were like arguing over who was going to kind of get the last oily cake. And some guy was like, I'll give you seven of this. And some guy's like, I'll give you six. And he's like, all right, you take it. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what just
1: happened. <laughs> oh, six was more than seven back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's why six is afraid of seven, because seven yeah. was ge- jealous that six was more than it. Because seven, six, five. <laughs> oh, but anyways, first cow.
1: <laughs> first was actually last back then, too. So this was last cow. Yeah,
0: it all makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I, it just, it's just, uh, it was one thing that really struck me watching this as a whole, was just how little there was to enjoy. Um, yeah in this time period. And it, it it's I, I don't know. It's Yeah. I don't want to bring the podcast it's, down. I just <laughs> I just feel like it's it's just hard to find a reason to fight that hard for a life that is so like meek, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It just seems yeah. like it, it was a difficult speaking, time for everybody. Meek,
1: <laughs> compare this with Meek's cutoff for sure and feel even worse about what life was like in the eighteen hundreds <laughs> trying to get to Oregon. <laughs>
0: when I mean, everybody's getting dysentery <laughs> mm-hmm. um that was more of an oregon trail reference than a meek's cutoff thing i don't I, know i gotcha
1: well i think our listeners are getting disinterested in this <laughs> podcast oh boy <laughs> uh, the whiskey has come out now i should make that clear
0: yeah it is funny like w- sometimes we do these marathon sessions where we record a bunch of reviews and uh every once in a while the last recorded review does not actually make it to the airwaves but uh this is gonna make it i think this will be this will be totally fine um mm-hmm. but yeah so what do you say steven we get into this review of first Cow. let's do it arguably the most serious straightforward film and we're just <laughs> oh yeah bastardizing it <laughs> um but yeah so we're gonna take a listen to the trailer for first Cow, and then we're gonna come back and give you guys a hopefully coherent review King. King Lou, you call me Cookie. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stopped moving. It's the getting started. That's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start.
1: You have a cow. First cow in the territory. This
0: ain't a place for cows. No, well, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. Good lord! Give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste
1: London in this game. We have to take
0: what we can when the taking is good. Seems dangerous. So, is anything worth doing? cow
1: until she barely produces a thing some people can't imagine being stolen from and soapy's one of those we got a window here cookie
0: history isn't here yet it's coming but maybe this time we can take it on our own terms So that was the trailer for First Cow. It is basically the story of uh, two unlikely friends who become buddies and they sort of bond over their shared love of tasty confections and making people pay for those things. And uh, they start to try to create a little business together selling oily cakes to people around the compound outpost. I guess it's the outpost is what they're called.
1: Yeah, let's say outpost.
0: Um, yeah, so Stephen Miller... Um, what did you think of first cow?
1: Well, Chris, you know how in Eurovision, the Netflix movie, <laughs> there was one note in a song that made me just break down in tears while I watched it, and I couldn't really explain it to anyone. It's just how it was. Yeah. I cried the first time Cookie milked the cow. <laughs> <in this movie. laughs> I'm not proud of that. <laughs> I'm not going to try to justify it in any way. Um, th- this whole movie is something that I, I I could not justify it to someone who does not happen to be on board for it. It, it. it is a very slow movie. It is a movie that I don't recommend watching late at night having consumed alcohol um, because it does not exist at a pace that is going to keep you going. the The plot is extremely simple and spread at a speed where you are just meant to luxuriate over the details um i think about filmmakers like andrea arnold who did american honey too where there's like there's a story but then so much is just like i'm gonna focus on this area and i'm gonna like zoom in on an animal and like just let you try to like (laughs) soak up the experience of what it would be like to be in a place um
0: (laughs) the the first two minutes of this film is an oil tanker mm-hmm. that is just moving from the left-hand side of the screen all the way past the right-hand side of the screen. And that's yep. just your introduction to this this film. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie that
1: wants you to slow down your pace. Like, that is definitely true. It, it is in the, the Patterson mold, like a movie that is just like, slow down your tempo, slow down your tempo, enjoy it for what it is. And... It is the kind of thing that is going to be praised as amazing, genius, the best movie ever, and people are going to watch it who do not happen to be into art house cinema, and they're going to be like, "Fuck every critic that has ever lived. <laughs> what are they doing to me?" <laughs> I know that. I I know this, and yet I found it lovely. I like. I I thought it was. It is trying to be period accurate. You know, So it, it's getting into all these little details of what was it like to cook in those times? What was it like to live? How did you keep a house? How did people interact? It tries to get little details right about how like the, the native tribes would speak, how people would communicate with each other. And it tells this just really, really, really simple story of two people who meet. They have a very meager idea for how to get ahead in their lives. They find some small comfort in it you know, the comfort in making food, in eating. And then we watch what happens. And I can't really justify it, except that it felt like a like a hot cup of cocoa to me. Like, it felt so nice getting into the speed of this movie. And my second um aside about this is, so I watched it when we, so we watched a kind of like simultaneous screening of this movie. There was a little wiggle room, but you basically had to watch it when it was airing. Yeah, and I watched it. I had a few drinks. I was a little sleepy during it. I made it, but I was sleepy. After uh, Relic, I felt kind of scared, and I put on. <laughs> I I rented for or no, I bought First Cow on iTunes, and I just had it on again. Like I had some things I had to do, and I just like had it on, and I would just tune into like certain twenty minute chunks of the movie, and I felt so good <laughs> watching it. it. It just made me feel really, really, really good. Um I think it this is so Meek's Cutoff is the other movie that is like this in her canon where it is like about people living in the 1800s trying to get by. Um, This is much less brutal and survivalist and much more just like a gentle, gentle, gentle story uh, trying to be told. But I do think they pair nicely together. And whatever Kelly Ruckhart is doing, I'm on board for it. I'm not going to sell anyone else on it. It is very slow, but but if you want to slow down and smile, then I feel like this, this movie has the goods. So that is my feeling. I cried when he milked the cow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, before I get into my thoughts on the film, I do have one question for you. How much of this film were you watching it and just wishing it was Shia LaBeouf in the lead role? (laughs)
1: none because i i love john maguero talking to the cow i can't shy would have done a good job too. I'm, I'm not gonna lie he would have talked to the he would have talked the hell out of that cow <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was like that's that's a half it's a half joke um but i definitely was like man i at least want to watch the version of this movie with shia labeouf in that role um
1: they they would have named it honey biscuit cakes and it would have been the third <laughs> in his honey trilogy <laughs>
0: Uh, so yeah so my thoughts on on this film Uh, I made a joke already about the two-minute scene of the oil tanker going from one side of the screen to the other I knew this film was gonna be slow and I'll be honest when it first started I was like, I'm going to fucking hate this movie. I am going to hate this movie. Like after watching the, the two minutes uh, of of the oil tanker go from left to right and then watching the dog dig in the dirt for about two minutes and then watching like a kid swinging a stick for two minutes. Uh, I, I just, I I was like, I'm not going to be able to take this. Just like set a camera down and let the environment do its thing for two minutes. Um, but once we got into to the thing, I started really like... I was getting invested in this world and I really liked the the sort of the knowledge and the history that uh uh King Lou brought in to um to like that pairing, that bond that those two guys have, and then cookies sort of familiarity with baking and all that kind of stuff. I loved their partnership and the fact that like, you know, one of them helps another one out, then arrives at a place where the other one's established and they help each other and they kind of form this plan where, you know, Cookie has this dream to go off and start a hotel in San Francisco, (laughs) Uh, which is just like a strange from just being like fur trapper to be like, you know, what I really want to have a a hotel with a bakery. And then the other guy's like, well, you know, we can have a bakery right now. And like, I was totally invested in a just the world itself. Just this idea that like everybody just has these huts and they live near this outpost and you kind of just claim your own little stake and you hang out there until some guy floats down the river and sells you some supplies and you just hope to last as long as you can out there. And I was really invested in, in all that going on. And then when they get into this business of like, hey, they have this one good that they can make and everybody really, really loves it, but there's one catch. There's something they have to do to get one of the ingredients, right? Like It becomes like Legend of Zelda, right? <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. like, sure, I'll give you three shillings, but first you got to make me an oily cake. And then some guy's like, hey, I could give you ingredients, but first you got to go do this. Um, and I was, I was really, really invested. The one thing that I cannot understand from a character motivation standpoint is these are two entrepreneurial guys who have proven the worth of their product and especially proven it to a person that is instrumental in one of the ingredients that they need in what universe could they not just like the guy basically says i'm in this godforsaken world that is away from my home and i eat your oily cakes and it makes me feel like i'm home that guy would pay anything he might even give you milk <laughs> mm-hmm. like it just feels like there's an obvious solution to all of the problems that could arise from everybody's plans about what they want to do and if I'm very- you could
1: if you could make the request without it being clear what you have already done like is that what you're getting at
0: yeah yeah but but so so the one the one question i have though is we definitely see the really young girl when they first get to the outpost carry a pail of the milk from the bar right like she walks all the way to the bar with a bucket that's empty and she comes out and there's white liquid sloshing around in it so it seems like she procured milk from somewhere and I don't un- like why would you even show that because you're saying there's a different way to get milk <laughs> and I don't I don't understand what's going on there and I I feel like I was I was more interested in the cooking show version of this movie than the Icarus story <laughs> right like I mm. like it, it kind of became a thing where I really liked the dynamic of these two men forming this bond and Fighting for a dream that they have together, but I think the decisions and the choices they make to try to achieve that dream are stupid (laughs) and (laughs) cause unnecessary risk for everybody involved and I don't want to get too spoilery But there's a person who decides he needs to put a cat outside and then immediately wants to bring the cat back inside and I feel like if he wouldn't have thrown the cat outside in the first place, none of the rest of this movie has to happen. <laughs> sure, but it's
1: inconsequential to him, right? He's just doing it. he He's, I think, praying in between, right? Um,
0: I i just don't understand yeah, don't, why he thought the cat needed to be outside if he immediately was like, oh, shit, I better get the cat inside.
1: I think the cat was like eating something the cat wasn't supposed to be eating, but i I don't remember. As to the the pail i i don't really remember that scene with the pail so i'm just going to say it with sheep's milk <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but i assume the movie that, definitely... i assume you can make oily cakes with sheep's milk right <laughs> it's not going to taste the same Maybe. but it's going to probably have the same consistency i don't know enough about yeah.
1: cooking yeah i don't know anything about cooking i also my understanding of cooking is that it is so dependent on Ratios and timing. And so the idea of people like cooking over an open fire out in like Oregon in the middle of nowhere is like just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Like the, those oily cakes look so good watching them make them. Um, but yeah, like the movie definitely makes it clear that milk is a luxury and it is such a luxury that a person who wants to drink it will have to get a cow all for themselves. So clearly there is like. There's not a bartering system where milk is a thing that people have available to them or else the the person in question, the captain, would just do that. So I I don't know what the pail was. Now I own it, so I'll go back and watch it and then fast forward and cry at the cow again. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I hear you. I definitely think the movie is way more about their friendship and about the state of the world that they're in that would lead these meager aspirations to be so meaningful and so binding like like that is definitely what the movie is about and i feel like the for all the talk we watched the A Q&A after it where they talked about it being a heist movie and like for all that conversation i don't care that much about the heist it, do, it doesn't matter to me it, it's just the excuse to watch these people dream together for a little bit of time and i yeah. thought just that the tenderness of that dreaming i thought was just really 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 pleasant and lovely and like the the imagery is great like even early in the movie i agree it is slow when i started watching it too i was the sun was starting to come down and i work my big iMac is like all windows and even though i have blinds they aren't like perfectly uh blackout blinds so there was glare coming in and I was staring at the screen, trying to follow like the oil tanker and then other stuff. And I was like, "Fuck, I can't, I can't do it." I, I had to move a couple times, so like I got taken out at the beginning of the movie. But still, like, yeah, you know, there are little bits where he's just like cookie is foraging. He sees like a lizard upside down, and he flips it over, and it scurries away. There's just these like little things that I think are really lovely, and they only come from like holding a camera for long enough to wait for a thing to happen. Just so you can document it. And yeah. I, that kind of hooked me right away, like that tone. And then the music starts to come in, and I was just like, all right, I'm, I might fall asleep, but I'm going to love this movie while I'm awake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I love that. I love uh, so much of what this film is doing. I just, it, it's hard for me to get, I mean, it's like, it's like, for example, let's pretend you have this pair of shoes that you really, really love. And then you and I go camping and your shoes go missing. And then I order shoes and they accidentally send me the shoes that you lost. I'm not going to wear those every day because it's going to be weird that you lost yours and I suddenly get the exact same pair, right? Like it's, it's, it's just like there, I don't, it's not even hubris. It's. Like stupidity, right? It's like they know that every batch that they make is going to eventually lead towards a questioning of where they're getting the ingredients. And the old, the one guy can only say ancient Chinese recipe so many times before somebody goes like, "Nah, really, tell me."
1: Ancient Chinese secret, huh?
0: Yeah, it's just the Wayne's World reference. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I just, I yeah, it it, just, it it was it was hard for me to to believe people who can survive in this environment would be that like blatantly ridiculous about the thing that they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked in Relic about when the metaphor becomes too literal. And like that subplot is definitely a metaphor turning very literal because it's like it's economics where they're the people that are making things. And this is a guy like you said, he loves what they are making. He wants them to make it. It brings him joy. And yet he is the the only way they can make it is by taking a very meager thing. And his like hubris is not going to allow that to happen. And and so I think there is like a little parable there, right? About the the rich want like the local baker or whatever to be around, and yet they're going to drive them out of business immediately for the desire of ownership. Um, yeah. So like like there are things there where I I do agree. Like the character motivation. I don't know. I'll, I'll hand wave it away because I I don't think they really had school back then.
0: And we know that both his parents are dead, so (laughs) there's no one to teach him life skills about being honest and having integrity.
1: Yeah, like, I think they just... There's a certain level of money that they need, and they feel like they're only going to get away with this for a little while, so just get the money and run. And they're so close. And as situations present themselves, they can get them further. Like, Cookie is kind of skeptical, uh, but then King Lou is kind of more, no, let's just do it, let's just do it. And I... I don't know. I think like the movie gives enough a cover for them knowing it isn't a perfect plan, that I'm okay with it not being a perfect plan. But I I feel you. I do think so much of this movie rests on the acting of the two main characters. Uh, John McGuro as Cookie and then uh, Orion Lee as King Lou. Because a lot of the movie has just been talking, like wandering around and talking about things. And there are like long sequences of the movie in between them, say, making their first biscuit and then making their first oily cake where it's just like cookie will be fishing and King Lou will be like wrapping twine or doing something. And they'll just be talking about like, you know, you could do a lot of things in San Francisco. Yeah, you can. The history is a weird thing, isn't it? And like, they're just (laughs) talking and it's just so like, it shouldn't work, but it works so well because there's such a like kindness to both of those characters. And that, that cow scene where I cried, it was cookie is talking to the cow and he says something like, I heard about what happened to your, uh, your husband and your kids. That's, that's real sad. And like, he sells it with just such a like earnestness where I was just like, this is the most beautiful thing. I've ever
0: Well, <laughs> <said." laughs> <laughs> it could easily not work, but it works. One of the other things that, that that's like struck me as odd or interesting is, uh, you know they have what looks like cast iron pans at the very least they're like clay pots and things like that mm-hmm. but they still like their whisk is just a bunch of twigs tied together <laughs> it's just yeah. dirty sticks from the environment that they use to whisk these oily cakes together um it just it was just funny yeah
1: the the balance between the the rugged and the like Modern tools was weird to me, like one thing that jumped out to me too, and I assume all of this is period accurate right like it seems like that is a thing that they care about, but they are living you know in this very rugged way, like using twigs <laughs> as as a whisk um, and yet there 's a moment after he 's made the oily cakes when Cookie takes out what looks like a little grater like a a pretty like elaborate grating tool and like grates a little bit of cinnamon on top. And I looked at that tool and I was like, how did they build that? And then I remember like they have like wagons and wheels and like, like, of course they know how to build that, but but there's just some like the mashup of the wilderness living where it feels like any kind of modern nicety feels impossible. So yeah, the idea that they knew how to make a thing that could grate cinnamon, like just shocked me. (laughs) So I, I, one other thing I did want to say about the movie is, um... I, I know you did not feel the same way because we had a conversation before, but I, I think there's like a beautiful... I think the movie ends in like a really perfect way that mirrors the beginning in a way that when I saw that it was going to happen, I was just like, all right, d- don't show me anymore. Just cut. It, it's going to be great if you cut here. And the movie did it.
0: And that made me really, really happy. So I enjoyed the ending of this movie a lot. Yeah, that, that whole book end, I just don't know if like... I th- think it adds anything other than like just the poetic nature of it, but it feels mm-hmm. like like you already made an oily cake. Like maybe you don't need a little cinnamon scraped on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> God, I want an oily cake. They do look fucking great. So good. And they only had like three ingredients, so it should be easy to make, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: It it also it seems so much better than the uh, I forgot the name of the the second thing that they cook at the request of a a person oh, that's paying thing, them for that it. That
0: thing looked gross just compared to spot. the oily cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looked like a like when you make the giant cookie. <laughs> that's like the entire yep. pan. Um, it was like
1: a pazookie without the ice cream.
0: Yeah, yeah, with just fruit plopped on top. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah. that's that's gross. <laughs> like i was expecting it to look like beautiful when he pulls the lid off of and he's like why don't you show him it and he's like ta-da and they're like sure sure to do it (laughs) break me off a piece of that
1: (laughs) it's like the the baby in the episode of seinfeld when they like lift up the carriage and it's like a hideous baby (laughs) I mean, let's be real, though. The oily cakes mostly look good because of the oil. Like, oh, yeah, hot for, I, oil is the secret ingredient.
0: I, they're they're basically funnel cakes, but instead of drizzling it all around to make it all, like, spirally, you just plomp a big old glob down, and then it, like, solidifies.
1: Yeah. So, I have a question. This has been the night of asking questions about domains that I could have Googled, but I didn't. Where did oil come from
0: for them? Because they have so much of it. I... Is it not beaver glands? Isn't that like the whole thing? I don't know. <laughs> I thought they were talking about... Because I, I thought King Liu at the beginning was saying like, oh man, if we could get a bunch of beaver tails and then bring the beaver gland all the way to wherever, we, would, we could sell them to the Chinese for like a million dollars. And he's like, but they don't keep very long. So I feel like they yeah, were just... Yeah, Canton's. Yeah, I think they were just uh, murdering a shit ton of beavers. <laughs>
1: Because they just have, like, milk is so precious, but they're just like, they have a whole pail full of oil so they can, uh, you know, make these oily cakes on the spot. It, I don't know, it it seemed interesting to me. A second thing I want to say is, if you like the vibe of this movie and just wanted the, the ostensible plot to live up to it, then I think you should watch Meek's Cut-Off because I do think that will give you the goods in terms of the like what the characters are going through. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be curious to see how you feel about that one.
0: I just want to watch the uh, the cooking show where it's also a survival show <laughs> where they like force mm. people to live out on the prairie with like no resources at all, but they still have to like create like a 10 course meal for the the governor or whatever his mayor or whatever the hell his role was. Yeah. I'd watch that. Especially if I get Gordon Ramsay to yell and be like, it's fucking raw.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Top shelf wilderness. (laughs) I'd be into it.
0: Cool. So, uh, should we get to verdicts? Sure. All right. Steven Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see record of the caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
1: Uh, look, damn it. I'm giving it a must-see. I know there are going to be people who maybe do not appreciate the tempo of this movie, I understand that. I get that. There are plenty of people in my life where I would not recommend that they watch it, and yet I do think this movie has a lovely blood pressure lowering effect. I think like the imagery is beautiful. It, it is just very naturalistic, and the two main characters have a bond that I found to be lovely. So I, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and it became kind of comfort food for me that I found myself wanting to go back to as soon as I felt scared later. <laughs> so I. I don't know. I I think it's a beautiful little movie that knows exactly what it wants to do and doesn't waste time on anything else.
0: Yeah, so I, I praised Greyhound for the mechanics that it portrayed. I'm going to praise <laughs> the first cow for the mechanics it portrays here. Um, not everything worked for me. Um, I think the characters make mistakes that they shouldn't have made. But I was very, very interested in... Sort of where things were going and what it was like To live in this condition and and Have a passion to do Something that's not just not die <laughs> Like they had a genuine Thing that they they had a joy To make like at making a product That people could have and it was like you know like the First entrepreneurs that weren't just pelters um, So uh, I'm gonna Give it a recommend and the caveat um, For like all like the really really nice Parts of this film that did work for me um, But it's definitely not going to make my end of your list. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, so that is our review of First Cow. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
1: Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash miller or miller.com.
0: People can find me at Christopher in Real or Twitter.com slash Christopher IRL. You can find the podcast over at thespoilhewarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash thespoil warning, or Instagram.com slash thespoil warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, send an email to fans at the warning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode. Will come from the soundtrack to First Cow So hopefully you are enjoying that And uh, yeah That is the review We made it through our big old crazy uh, Thing of four reviews That we did These will be I mean there's no point in saying it now But these will be riddled throughout the week <laughs> yep. And uh, who knows when this episode is coming out But uh, <laughs> But uh, Yeah hopefully you enjoyed these four reviews And we'll be back Next week, at least recording some more reviews.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we we don't know when you're going to hear them, but we're going to try. <laughs> All right. Bye.